change is more fun when we all feel like we're a part of it and when it's a conversation and when it's done with the ensemble ethos that Steppenwolf has. From Steppenwolf Theatre Company in Chicago, Illinois. This is something that we chose to do out of this very important inflection point that the theater is at. This is Half Hour. Welcome back to Half Hour Podcast, the last episode of our second season, everybody. Um, I am excited to be here, um, James Vincent Meredith, along with Caroline Neff, Karen Rodriguez, Audrey Francis, and Cliff Chamberlain. Say hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. <laughs> We're going to get to the to the interview, okay? We we always have an interview every every episode. But we're going to start this episode with what we would call a hostful segment. And what that means is we're going to get a chance to cook. I want all of us to speak on this season that we've had as well as the season before, because it's not often that we get a chance to speak, you know, like to. It's never happened before at all. Yeah, just to speak to each other. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's about so, damn time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be what you call a hostful episode. And then stick around. We're going to have a great interview coming up. I am so excited to have been on this uh, boat, this ship that we've been on together. Um, and I came in in the, the second season of this show, along with Cotton. But those guys of you who were here in the first season... I'd like to know a little bit about, just to jump off a bit, a little bit about how this whole podcast began. Well, I don't know if he's going to say it, so I'll just give him the credit real quick. It's Cliff Chamberlain's brainchild. It, like the, the whole <laughs> vision of it really was Cliff. Well, that uh, that's very nice of you to say. I <laughs> No, I, I mean, like, I, I was part of, I had a, an idea that, hey, Steppenwolf, we should do a podcast because we have so many incredible people at Steppenwolf and associated with Steppenwolf. How are we not utilizing all these stories and all these voices? Um, We need to do something. And uh, I was, you know, I just had like email conversations with uh, a bunch of people. I think both uh, you, Audrey, and you, Caroline, I know we talked. This was now years ago, which is kind of blows my mind that those initial conversations were years ago. I I sat down with Glenn Davis, who was one of the early... um, uh, important voices of half hour as a lot of people know if you listen to the podcast and just sort of talking to different people jeff perry was another one i think billy peterson sort of threw that out there um and really like i think when the pandemic hit last march uh some of the leadership at step was like hey that podcast idea what's going on with that and then all of us kind of got put together like a a super team a superhero team uh and can I put the, an addendum the, to that? Yeah. <laughs> so I saw in the artistic office meetings that there was a podcast happening. I was like, <laughs> hey, you guys, can I um, <laughs> can I be in that? <laughs> and it was like, yes. And uh, what was nice was that the people that were really in, inspired to make it, you know, in, in that beginning kind of got all of us got on board. And then. I just really, what I will, I think what all that I will honestly take credit for is the name. 
and, and just the basic format of what the thing is, the idea of, of that half hour of time before a show and how sort of magical that is and the idea of like the stage manager. But that was basically like a, so bare bones. It was really getting everyone together. And then after that, all the sort of things that make the podcast what it is, the multiple hosts and the lightning round questions, all that stuff came from the collaboration of all of us, which is what Steppenwolf is about, you know? So it was like, and then especially this season, getting James and Karen and getting both of you in that just sort of took it to another level to have the five of us and have the two of you and, and um, your laughter and your brains and your hearts. I mean, it's like, it's been so fun. Also, you got to give, you know, a lot of credit. I would give a ton of credit too to Glenn and also to Matthew Chapman and to Patrick Zock and Matthew is our sound engineer and Patrick is our producer. Like, those are the two people that no one ever sees. Well, nobody sees anybody, Cliff. <laughs> this is audio, bro. Yeah. <laughs> if they could only see us now. Yeah. Karen, right. how did you get um, into this Mary group? How did how did you uh, get called? Um. So me, uh, Audrey, Caroline, and Aaron Cook have a group called Audrey Sparts. <laughs> I'm outing bitches today. I am outing bitches today. Um, it's our text group name. Every time I get a text, I'm so fucking annoyed. I, whatever, whatever. We're here. We're open. Okay, but um, and so sometimes we like Facetime each other, and especially during the pandemic, um, we were really like, "What's going on?" Because we were kind of all over the nation during that time, and. Um, <laughs> Anyway, one time it was just Caroline, Audrey, and me, and we were having a little wine and a little gossip sesh. And then at the end, they said, um, "Hey, we have this question." They, they they all of a sudden like I think that they had the intention to ask me at the top, but then we got to business. You know, there was a lot to talk about. And at the end, they were like, "Oh my god, the question!" And I was like, "What?" And then they asked me, and I immediately started crying. And then I was like, "Yes!" Like I, because I had been like I had been listening uh intently to all of the episodes and they were so moving like during that particularly for me during that time of like feeling lost and feeling like why did I pick theater <laughs> because it just felt like I had lost it and I remember thinking I'm gonna have to go back to school I'm gonna have to why the fuck did I pick this we gotta learn how to code <laughs> no literally i was like fuck me and you know i got my degree in marketing but that shit's obsolete so i was like Cut! you know i mean it was just like man dude i was i was really going through it and it really reminded me why like even even when the host or the guest didn't talk about storytelling like on the nose everybody on the podcast are amazing storytellers and i remember i would be like cooking my breakfast and i would just like be listening to the interviews and being so engaged just by a voice. And it, it was like so profound to me. I remember being like, this is why, this is why I chose it. Because I don't see them, I don't have to, but they're like right here in the room and I would laugh and cackle and answer and, and take away these things. So it was really profound to me to be asked. I was very honored. And Caroline got down on her knee. She, she did, she proposed to me. And I said, can I put a ring on it? And I believe I, I, I yes. believe was the exact quote. <laughs> I just remember being so like I remember when when I talked to Cliff 
and I, and then I talked to Cotton, and I, I just remember being so nervous about it because I'd been listening to you guys and hearing like how incredibly professional and how smooth the interviewing was, how it sounded, the process. Like, man, these guys are good, and they asked you know asked me to be a part of this. And I remember when I first we we first did a meeting or two, and I was like. I do this thing like at the beginning of rehearsals and like beginning of projects where like I don't know anyone where I just like get very morose and moody and I just like sit there like very quietly and like almost pissed off. And that's the way I looked for like the first like three meetings we had. Do you remember that? And I was just and I, I'm sure that I gave the impression that I was like, I do not want to be here. But I really wanted to be here, but I was so nervous about even doing like a first interview that I was just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit here and look at, you know, look at the wall or, you know, look at my hands or it it was just ridiculous. I was so, so nervous. Mm. Right. Question. Was there like a, an interview that you guys look at now and you say, Oh man, I'm so scared of this interview. Like I, I'm so frightened of my subject or I'm so frightened of the person who I'm going to, to interview. How is this going to go? Not that you're frightened, but that you're, um, you know how it is intimidated or in awe of this person in such a way that you're like, Oh my God, like, do you guys like, let me go around. Like who was that person for you? I will say I get more nervous for the interviews than I do for other things. Like, I'm surprised at how nervous I get for every interview, but to answer your question, James, I think the person who scared the shit out of me the most was Tina Landau. I was gonna say, I bet it's Tina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, why, why, why? I think it's because uh, truly I, like as an artist, kind of idolize her and feel very uh, red every time I'm in the room with her. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just thought, like, I, I can't, like, there's no bullshit. So that would be mine. And it was also, um, sh- like, one of the interviews that I take the most from, that I mm. learned, yeah, still as an artist. Mine, I think, is probably my first one with, with Catherine Irby, with Katie. Katie's show was actually one of the last shows that I saw before the shutdown at Roundabout Underground. And it was the first time I'd actually ever seen her on stage. And, like... I just, I remember watching her on stage and I'm like, God, you, you like fill up this stage in such a tremendous way. And like, we also saw each other at an audition and, and, and she was like, it's so nice to see somebody that I know here. Mm. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You were in What About Bob? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you were Mighty Ducks too. Like, you've been a part of, you were Law and Order. Like, you've been a part of my life and my family's life for such a huge amount of time. Um, that, like, and, and because, like, the, like the, the scary thing for me, I'm, it's funny. I feel like we do have, like, a list of people that's like, oh, these are the intimidating people. Who do we ask? Who's going to do Tracy? Mm. Who's going to do Amy? Yeah, that was my first one. I shat myself. I literally was like, (laughs) man, dude. Like, I remember Patrick was assigning the names, and then he said, okay, first one up, got in Amy Morton. And I, and you know, Amy and I, you know, she's, she's really mentored me, but she, we have that kind of relationship where she's, it's like she's still kind of, I don't, 
I, I think she would disagree with this, but I still can't see her as just my friend. Like, I still see her as yeah. a mentor, a teacher, an icon. Like, it's hard for me to not. And, um, and because she's, she's kind of like what you were saying, Audrey, like, no bullshit. Like, I knew that some of my questions she was going to, like, she was going to be like, no, I don't care about that. I'm like, I know, but I care. So just tell me, Amy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we all want to know what happened at the Tony Awards. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. Like, but I knew. So I knew that some of my questions going in, she was going to drag me a little bit. But <laughs> so I was kind of sealed up. I was like, Amy, I know, I know. Because she's so, that's, that's part of her charm is that she's so real and humble and down to earth and is about the work. Yeah. And not about all the frou-frou stuff, you know. Yeah, I love that. I remember uh interviewing Gordon Gill. I loved that interview so much. And I had a relationship with him before. Like we'd been friends for he's just a just a great guy, but I I just remember being so nervous because you know, we have our our theater world, right? And then we have this this guy who is an artist, like a total artist. But he's not, you know, he's not an actor, right? And so, you know, how do I, you know, let him cook in such a way that, like, people can, like, see how amazing an artist and dreamer and, uh, that he is? Um, but I was, my nerves came from not being able to give him room to work in that respect. And I was like, am I going to be nervous in how I you know, introduce, you know, his work on this building or his work in that building or that. Cause this, he's like legendary, like I, an iconic architect. And I wanted to make sure that people, when they saw his name, didn't turn away and say, Oh, he's not an actor or, Oh, he's not an artistic director or he's not, you know, in that aspect, you know, of, of our world. Uh, and yet just give him five minutes. <laughs> And if you hear him for five minutes, then you you realize that he is every bit the artist that we are and and is worth your time. And so that that made me nervous. But, you know, we got through it. And and again, he was just just a delight. My first interview with Jeff Perry, I remember I was was very nervous. But with Frank Galati, I remember being Mm. uh, really nervous in such a way that I did the most preparation, I think, for any interview. And I think if I'm really being honest, it's because Frank really intimidates me. Frank cast me in the first play I ever did at the Goodman. I think it was one of the first equity contracts I even had in Chicago. So in my mind, I'm like a 12-year-old kid that he's like, hey, I know you. You're just, you are a young, like, novice, got a lot to learn actor, and that, and sometimes I still feel that way around him because I look up to him so much. I looked up to him so much then. And, and so I have to sort of fight this feeling of like, just keep my feet on the ground. And um, he's got, you know, he's got so much love and such a kindness to him that um, he makes sort of anybody feel comfortable. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, I'm also nervous about my next interview um, in so many ways mostly nervous excitement because it's with um well it's with you audrey and with glenn davis who are steppenwolf's new co-artistic directors um which i just have got to say like that means that half hour has had six hosts in its history Mm -hmm. two of them 
are now co-artistic directors. I, I do have to say, 100% of our artistic directors have been co-hosts of Half Hour. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking awesome. I'm really, I'm really excited to talk to you and Glenn. I love you both so much. And, um, and, and I'm nervous, too, just because uh, I, I, I want to do right by uh, interviewing the two of you because I, I look up to you both as well. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> well, and Audrey, unfortunately, knows all the lightning round questions. Yeah, you're going to have to come up with some new lightning round questions. I've already, I've already started thinking of new lightning round questions. And actually, yes. for, the, for you three, send some to me as well. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think it's going to be um, an awesome, awesome interview that I'm excited to hear. I know we're all excited to hear it. As Steppenwolf Ensemble members, as people who are associated with this company, I'm I'm so excited about the direction that we're heading in, and mm-hmm. I, I really want to hear this. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Thanks, y'all. And here is Cliff Chamberlain interviewing Audrey Francis and Glenn Davis, co-artistic directors of Steppenwolf Theater. Welcome back, everyone. This is your half-hour call. This is your half-hour call. Half-hour, please. Top of the show. Half-hour. I'm sitting here with Audrey Francis and Glenn Davis, two uh, major forces in the half-hour podcast, two of the busiest people I know already in your lives with everything that you do, and now both the incoming co-artistic directors of Steppenwolf Theater Company. The first time in our history we've had co-artistic directors, the first time in our history we've had a person of color as one of our artistic directors. No, I I just am so happy to talk to you. I can't believe you have time to talk to me, and um, thanks for being here. I'm just curious, as your friend, um, how are you, and what is... uh, and what has your life been like over the past few weeks or month as you've started to sort of learn about the position you're stepping into? And um, yeah, tell me what it's like. It has been um, extremely illuminating. You know, when uh, I often say that as an ensemble member, you are uh, tangentially connected to the to the theater. You know, you 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 have a relationship. This is your artistic home, but you show up when you're asked to uh, perform in something, or to direct something, or to write something. You know, you you you're very much um, in service to the theater, and sometimes on an on an as needed basis because you know everyone can't perform um, or be on stage uh, in every season. But when you're suddenly thrust into um, uh, day-to-day position, um, a leadership position in this case, there are things that you had no idea were going on that you have to, um, you have to, you know, consider, you have to make room for, and that is, you know, all those things are amazing and positive. They're just things that we didn't have to consider before, you know, how marketing team works, how the development team works, how exactly money is raised. Um, so it's been, it's been a, it's been really, yeah, that's the word I'm going to stick with, illuminating. But um, but I'm loving it. Audrey, is there anything that you were specifically excited to learn about uh, going into the process? 100%. I am so, I, I, I was still and I am still excited about Step Ed. 
mm. which is um, the education program that primarily focuses on teens. And we've got this new arts and education center. And SYA, this, the Steppenwolf for Young Adults, it serves about 30,000 students right now. And because with this new arts and education center and with the new theater in the round, we're going to be able to bring around 40,000 students into Steppenwolf every year. And I get to see the beauty of that as the students come in and see the show, but there is so much more connected to that. There's a curriculum connected to the play. There's conversations ongoing with um, a bunch of different teens from all over Chicago. And it's, and then that show tours mm. to other places in the city. I am so excited just to learn more about what StepEd is doing and have that be as integrated as possible into what Glenn and I are doing as we as we continue the next chapter in Steppenwolf's artistic vision. Both of you, I know, are uh, great leaders outside of Steppenwolf as well and sort of always have been. I, Audrey, I, you helped found Black Box Acting School. Glenn, your production company, Cast Iron, is out there sort of uh, kicking ass. And I know you're uh, an associate at the uh, Young Vic and at the Vineyard Theater. How has being a leader outside of Steppenwolf up to this point helped you um, step into this role? I will say that um, it's been very helpful in that uh, there's not a, um, you know, when you're leading any organization, um, I imagine big or small, you you take some of the same tenets in with you. And um, for me, whatever I'm doing in terms of film and television or theater, I imagine I'll think of these things um, in a similar vein in terms of leadership. So um, I think that everything that I've done up to this point in terms of being an actor and a producer has prepared me for um, this this uh, new role at Steppenwolf. There's a, um, many times when I'm, when I'm thinking about my style of leadership um, in comparison, in contrast to, to other folks, I'm, I'm reminded that I'm someone who likes to be, uh, I, I like being one of two things. I like to be either a cog in a wheel so that, you know, if, if I'm in a, an ensemble show, I like specifically working on uh, the thing that I'm there to do and mm. being a part of the, the entire picture. But from, um, from my vantage point, um, is, is really, really my, my vested interest. And then I like to take a wide lens and be, someone who's um, um, seeing the entire picture from really a broad, a broad view. So in, in my other professional life producing is exactly that. You're, you're literally putting the pieces together. You're finding the artist. You're finding the right director. In, some, you know, in many ways, you're finding the financing. So all those things sort of help me now that I'm uh, at Steppenwolf and I get to get to use and exercise all of my skills that have prepared me up to this point. One of the things that is really unique about our theater is the role that ensemble members play in becoming artistic directors. We have a real rich history of utilizing our ensemble to step up into the uh, artistic director position, um, which I find incredibly valuable. And um, just in terms of the uh, institutional knowledge that uh, people bring with that to the role, I, th the ensemble is also, uh, especially with the both of you, which has been really fun, um, involved in sort of the discussions about who, uh, will lead. 
So when it when we knew that um, we were looking for a new uh, leadership, two amazing things sort of happened at once. One was that both of you raised your hands and said you would be interested in the position. And two, a you know, a, a survey that was sent to the ensemble, like your names were at the top of the list for who the ensemble would think of as a leader. So those two things happened at, at one time, which I, I remember finding like, well, that's fantastic that those two <laughs> things are aligning. I'm curious, um, Audrey, uh, what were the discussions like between the two of you um, mm. when you were sort of talking about, hey, how, can we do this? How, how will we do this? What was that like before it became anything became official? Uh, what were those conversations like between you and Glenn? I love that cliff. I, I think of all the side conversations that all the ensemble were having around that time. Right. And I, I was in Denver at the time and I just, I will remember Denver as being on the phone with Glenn Davis mm. <laughs> and those conversations, <laughs> if, 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 you know, Glenn was actually the one who was like, look, this job at this theater in particular is such a huge position because it's not just running a theater. We have a 50, almost a 50 member on ensemble. And we're in a really pivotal time where the American theater is going, is undergoing immense change. And so Glenn called me and was like, look, I think this, I think it's time for co-leadership for our company. And I was really scared by that because it's hard, I think, sometimes. Um, but with Glenn, you know, Glenn, plug your ears, but like he's so smart. <laughs> and he and I, we truly are, I think, cut from the same moral cloth. We, we have the same core values. I think we think the same things are important. We really care and are passionate about the same things. And even though Glenn is like way cooler than me, I do think we have a very similar style and approach. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the conversations were really just Glenn saying, I think this is what it needs to be. And then us saying, if it's going to be that I would, I would only do it with you. And, and, and it's not, that's not to disparage anybody else. It's just that I've been talking with Glenn for years about what our dreams about theater are and how much we love being entrepreneurs and hustlers. And I Hmm. can't think of a better partner in this moment in time than Glenn. So really all he had to say was like, I'm interested in raising my hand and it should be co-leadership. And I was like, you cool if I do that with you? (laughs) And then it just got really exciting from there on. Yeah, it was great because there was a lot of, um, there was so much happening in the country, in the world, that it was fertile ground for um, conversation about where we could take the theater, where we saw ourselves in the the sort of tapestry of American theaters um, in general, and what role the ensemble plays today um, that might have been different, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So... Um, the the fact that we were all sitting at home for a lot of the pandemic on Zoom having conversations about the state of theater and the particularly the state of our theater was really helpful and really advantageous for um, Audrey and myself to sort of take stock of where we are, what we need, how we can innovate uh, going forward, and um, 
what we can bring to the theater uh, as artists and, and leaders. Well, one of the things I remember uh, uh, from both of you sort of in those conversations we were all having a, as an ensemble were two words that, that you used as sort of a, a, a mandate for what you were interested in. And you just said one of them, and those are innovation and communication. Uh, can either of you, can either of you just sort of speak to that and, and, and what you have in your minds and hearts for that, for the theater uh, going forward? Yeah, I think that, I think innovation is one of the most important and exciting ways to work with an organization. And especially now, and I, and Glenn and I are both committing to really exploring how have things been done? Why? And is there space for us to innovate new ways for them to be done? And any time that a company or an organization or a team is innovating new things, two things happen. It means, one, there's growth because we're learning and we're trying and there's risk. And there's also um, grief in a way of saying this worked at a certain time hmm. for a certain reason and got us to this moment. And now we're at this moment and our responsibility is to make sure that we're nurturing it and challenging it so that it can grow for whatever the next moment is. And when a company or, or a group of humans goes through an innovation, a growth, a change, the most important thing I believe is communication so that we're all working together to create change. And I think change is more fun when we all feel like we're a part of it and when it's a conversation and when it's done with the ensemble ethos that Steppenwolf has. And that's why communication and innovation are so important to me personally. And I'll just add to that. Um, Audrey talked about that a lot. And Audrey is so fucking cool, by the way. But uh, she, <laughs> Thank you. She, she talks about innovation a lot. And I think that just the fact that where the two of us get to do this is um, mm. innovative in and of itself. This has never happened. Uh, at Step Wolf and most, I, I would uh, say most large institutions like a Step Wolf and um, are reticent about co-leadership. So this is something that we chose to do out of this very important inflection point that the theater is at in its history and the country is in. So this was a huge moment for Step Wolf to, to take this step. So we were in conversation with the ensemble and the board and the staff about what was next and this um, this sort of naturally happened. And this co AD model is, is very beneficial to the company. There are two of us now. Um, uh, so someone is always um, sort of steering the ship at all mm. times. And um, we're much bigger than we were, you know, 45 years ago. And we, as already just said, we have close to 50 members. And uh, this is an actor's theater as well. So if, if, our, uh, if our mandate is to always have someone from the ensemble to lead the company, you know, many times that's going to be an actor. So for actors to um, to uh, to lead in this moment and in this way, I think it's um, it was sort of a natural conclusion that we came to that co-leadership was the way to go because it, it allows us to have careers outside of the institution at the same time to, to be leaders within. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Just in that, like, I mean, I know, uh, I know, Glenn, you're coming up in King James in, in our next season and Audrey, I can only imagine the amount of work that you'll be getting as well or doing as well in the future. Like, 
the idea that one of you can sort of, like you said, Glenn, be steering the ship while the other is working. I mean, I remember seeing um, Martha Levy on stage. I was I was in a play with her and she, in the march, and and she was running the theater company. And I was like, what? What are you? What are you doing? How is this possible? Like the yeah. sort of magic of that, or just, and just to know that she could do it and did it, but that the two of you, or even that Anna could direct on Broadway while running the theater or teach at Northwestern, but just knowing that the two of you have each other to sort of lean on and, um, and support each other. And that I, I, I just find that will, um, I just find that so unique and cool. I'll just add to that clip. I think there's a moment that's, um, look, I, I think the world of Audrey and, um, I think I'm, I think I'm not half bad, but I think that What's more, you know, the the way that our communities have celebrated this moment, I think, is more indicative of the fact that people feel like one of us is leading a major institution. Mm. You know, it's it's not um, we're we're not being othered in a way uh, that 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 can sometimes happen at places like cultural institutions, and so and so all the positive energy and the feedback that we've gotten from folks, I think it's 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 less to do with Audrey and myself being so amazing. Um, <laughs> but I think it's more, hey, one of us is in the seat. One of us is making decisions. One of us is leading. Um, and I think that that, has, that is only going to continue to enrich our community um, and, and the different communities that we're a part of. Because Audrey and I, our communities intersect in some ways, but in a lot of ways we're from very different places and speaking to different audiences. And I think that is going to ultimately um, um, uh, be a positive thing for, for Steppenwolf. Absolutely. Um, okay, look, you both know about the lightning round. Yes! Uh, but I have new questions for you for this, all right? Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go... Uh, Ooh, this is so exciting. Yeah, so, all right. So, Audrey, favorite quality <laughs> about Glenn? It's thoughtfulness. Glenn, favorite quality about Audrey? Her drive. Audrey, what is the meal that you think you're going to order the most at Front Bar, considering you'll probably be eating at Front Bar all the time now? The rainbow cake. Glenn, what is the meal you are going to be ordering the most at Front Bar? <laughs> or the drink? Chai latte with almond milk. Whoa! <laughs> Wait, but... <laughs> Why? I think that's so funny. <laughs> Audrey, what time is your alarm set for in the morning? 5 a.m. Glenn, what time is your alarm set for in the morning? 5.45. Oh, I'm going to reverse it this time. Glenn, what time do you go to sleep at night? I try to get to sleep. Um, I'll just lightning round. I'll say 10.30. Audrey, what about you? What time do you go to sleep at night? 9.30 or 10. So I've, I've made up for that hour, that hour that yeah. she gets up, that, four, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that 30 minutes, whatever she gets up before me, I made up for it. You did. Yeah. It, all, it all works out. Um, Audrey, how do you get to the theater? Oh, gosh, it's so new because I've been moving for so many times, but right now it's Red Line. The Red Line? Red Line, Red Line from Roosevelt. Gotcha. Glenn, how about you? How do you, how do you get to the theater? I go, uh, I take Lakeshore Drive. Lakeshore, I love Lakeshore Drive to the theater. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, okay, so last question. I'll start with uh, I'll start with you, Glenn. If you, as the artistic director of Steppenwolf Theater, 
or a character in a play, what would your artistic director's description be? <laughs> um, laid back, chill, no nonsense, um, charming, um, six two. There you go. Audrey. Angry bird-like figure who dances between extreme passion, humor, and conviction. You don't know whether you want to hug her or run away. But she probably needs both. Places, please. Have a wonderful show tonight. Places, please. Places. And that brings us to the end of this episode and the second season of Half Hour brought to you by Steppenwolf Theater Company. Hey, wait, congratulations, y'all. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Thank you. Congratulations to you. We did it. Thanks for listening today and for tuning into the entire season. And a very special thank you to our incoming co-artistic directors, Glenn Davis and Audrey Francis. Half Hour is produced by Patrick Zockham. Mixed and edited by Matthew Chapman. The theme music for Half Hour is by Rob Milburn and Michael Bodine. Laura D. Glenn, Christine D. Freeberg, and Michelle Medvin provided the voices of this week's stage manager. Special thanks to Anna Denoya, Aaron Cook, Joel Mormon, Madeline Long, Christopher Huizer, Kirsten Adams, and all the folks at Steppenwolf. You can follow us on Twitter at SteppenwolfTHTR or on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always get in touch by throwing a rock through our window or emailing... <laughs> Half hour at steppenwolf.org. Or maybe, just maybe, we'll see you all at the theater or front bar very soon. That's true. Oh, I miss front bar. Oh, that'd be awesome. Signing off for now. This is James Vincent Meredith. Karen Rodriguez. Cliff Chamberlain. Caroline Neff. And Audrey Francis. A lifetime to engage, half hour to places. She sucked at that line. Can't we get someone else to read it? It made me cry again. I got it that time. I got the line on the last season. Thank you. On the last season, on the last episode. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. I got the line on the last episode of the most recent season. (laughs)